Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. chapter 2, and while you're turning there, let me just uh, lead us in as we shift um, direction to uh, receiving what the Lord would deposit in our spirits this morning. A stirring is what I'm believing for, a stirring and a recognition and a realization and for the light of uh, our authority in Him and His authority in this earth to be realized to us. Uh, When we begin to understand God's original plan for mankind, it helps us identify what is established for us in Christ. God's original plan for mankind in the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, was that we would be in charge, that we would be in the position of responsibility, the position of authority, He said in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, let's just, uh, you don't have to turn there, I'll read it to you, but you can mark it down in your notes because it is the, um, the, the pronunciation of his original plan. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let man, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Hallelujah. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said unto them. So and is a conjunction. If you have the Disney Channel, I want to let you know that they have released Schoolhouse Rock on the Disney Channel. And I went just to watch Conjunction Junction, what's your function? I had to watch the whole Conjunction Junction video on Disney Plus, just to let you know. And is a conjunction (laughs) that joins together what was previously stated with what we're about to state. God bless them and. So the blessing in the pronunciation of the blessing, this is what he said in the process of blessing them. God said, God said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. So he pronounced the blessing and in the pronunciation of the blessing was the authority over everything on the earth. This is a necessary element to renew your mind toward. 
to have your mind convinced God intends for me to operate in a position of authority. God never intended for there to be one sickness that took authority over me. There, He never intended for there to be one situation that governed over me. His plan for my life is that I walk in His authority, representing His will. Now, this doesn't mean I can take authority and go in some other direction with it. It's in line with God's will. It's in line with God's word. It's in line with God's, uh, God's plan. But he has authorized mankind in the original plan. He authorized man to be the one who was the executor or the one who was um, overseeing and enforcing the will of God on the earth. Over everything on the earth, everything that creeps upon the earth, I'm giving you authority. Take dominion. In, in English, we use the word um, uh, Lord. If you take that word in Spanish, it's Señor, which means Lord or Sir. Uh, but it, 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 there's a verb in Spanish that Señorear. It means to, to lordship over. To lordship over. That's this word that's used here in the Greek. It's have dominion. Take lordship over. Be the person who is executing the plan of God. Be the person in, uh, in charge, in authority. So God said that. God desired that. This was God's plan. This isn't man trying to, to take a position God didn't want for him. This is God creating us in his image and for the purpose with the design in, in place of us executing authority, of us being the ones to uh, enforce God's will on the planet. Hallelujah. Have dominion and subdue, he said. Well, Adam and Eve hearkened to the voice of the enemy Eve was deceived and Adam in, in uh, transgression disobeyed the instruction of God and acted on the words of the enemy and they fell from God's plan. They fell from God's position uh, of, of representation and in doing so they submitted that authority that God had so completely delegated to man so completely that Adam could submit it to someone else. That authority was so completely delegated by God to mankind that when mankind submitted themselves under the control of Satan by acting on his word, they took the authority that God had given them under the leadership of Satan or under the dominion of Satan. And when Satan tempted Jesus... He said to him, all power, all of this authority of these different cities has been given unto me. If that was a lie, it wouldn't have been a temptation. Right. What, had, what, what Satan had in his control had been given to him, but not by God. God didn't give it. God gave it to Adam. Adam submitted it to Satan. Adam delegated it to Satan. It had been completely delegated by God to man, and man took it, and when he went under Satan's control, he took that authority with him. Right. And so when people say, well, you know, God is in control, 
Well, there are some things he's delegated. And if that delegated person is, is operating in disobedience, then God's not in control of that person and what they do. For instance, you'll hear people say, huh, well, that preacher ran off with his secretary and had an affair, and he was spirit-filled. Not on that day. He wasn't being led by the Spirit on that day. That wasn't the leading of the Lord. That wasn't God directing him. God wasn't in control of that. Hallelujah. So what, what people want to say, a lot of times that is just a way to answer things that we can't explain. Things that happen that we can't explain. But when you begin to recognize what has taken place since God originally designed the earth, He designed it with no sickness in it. He designed it with, with uh, man having authority. And He said, you're supposed to subdue. You're supposed to have dominion here. And then... Adam fell and brought that authority and so a lot of things have taken place on the earth that was never God's will. The things that have been God's will that you see taking place in the Bible were by people who were in covenant with God. God was able to get certain things declared on this planet by people who had submitted to Him. He began making covenants. He began making covenants with men and, and that Abrahamic covenant that Jesus completed with the shedding of his blood on Mount Calvary and the laying down of his life, that Abrahamic covenant has restored God's original plan to being made available. It's not happening everywhere, but for those who accept Jesus as Lord, for those who make Jesus their Savior, for those who submit to the Word of God and submit to the will of God, the Word is now, uh, the, that person is able to operate in God's original plan and execute authority and enforce the will of God in their sphere of influence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so when we begin to recognize that God's plan of authority was delegated to man and those who are righteous are now able to operate once again because of Jesus' obedience. We can operate in that delegated authority to see the will of God done in our home, in our community, in our lives. We, can, we have an influence on the will of God being done. Hallelujah. And as we allow the word to uh, strengthen us in this knowledge so that we can walk in it in a greater measure, we'll see it take place more and more, especially as each individual believer begins to walk in the light of it more and then collectively as a body. I believe that that's one of the things God is doing uh, in His body is uh, an inner strengthening for us to know who we are and what we have and what we can do in Him. Amen? So Philippians chapter 2, let's go over here now and let's find out where, how our authority is executed. How our authority is executed. Philippians 2 verse 9, wherefore God has also highly, God also has highly exalted him, speaking of Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name. God has highly exalted Jesus. Now again, let's renew the mind and not allow 
uh, religious, traditional things to stop us from seeing the workings of God by His Word. God exalted Jesus. But people from a religious standpoint want to say, well, He was Jesus. He was the Son of God. And so I couldn't speak to the wind and the waves because I'm not Jesus. I'm not the Son of God. But in reality, if you've called on the name of Jesus, you are a Son of God. You're not the Son of God, but you are a Son of God. Hallelujah. You are a child of God. If you're born again, you are a child of God, and you are now returned to a position where you should have authority over wind and waves. Some people are more highly developed. Jesus showed us what can happen when a person is highly developed in their authority and in their faith. Because there's a connection between faith and authority. Remember the man in Matthew chapter 8 who said, he said, I understand authority. If I say go, they go. If I say come, he comes. So if you'll just speak the word. And Jesus called it great faith, but the man was just talking about authority. The man was seeing it from a position of your word has authority over the sickness that has attacked my servant. And if you'll just speak the word, the authority will be released. And that, that release of authority, that enforcing of the will of God in that situation, well, Jesus said, this was the greatest faith I'd found. But it was a recognition of authority. So Jesus, when he stepped out on the boat, all of the other people in the boat were concerned they were going to die. They, they woke him up saying, Master, don't you care that we're going to die? And Jesus said, I've got authority over waves. I've got authority over wind. We're not going to die. What are you talking about? Why are you afraid? And he did what God designed every mankind to do, every member of the human race to do. He spoke and subdued the wind. He subdued the waves. In his execution or release of the authority of God, he turned that situation from the way it was going into the way God wanted it. The will of God is that there be peace. So I speak peace. And there are things that if you don't stand up in the situation and speak it, it won't turn. You know, we have another example of a storm and a righteous person caught in a storm. And the only person on the boat that even believed God was the Apostle Paul. Right? You remember that storm that he was in? He told them. See, the Lord came to him. The instruction came to him not to sail. And he, he tried to tell them, but he wasn't in charge of what they did. And there are some things that happen in our life because we're not in charge of making the decision. We're dealing with things because people who are in the decision-making capacity have made a decision and now we've got to cooperate and participate with God to the extent that we can in that situation so he couldn't stop them from setting sail, but he could stop them all from losing their lives. He couldn't stop them from setting sail. They chose to set sail and ignore the wisdom that God brought to them, the instruction that God brought. But still, through his 
partnering with God and cooperating with God, he was able to stand up and say, the God, the angel stood before me that God sent, and he said to me that none of us will lose our lives. Don't you think they wanted to listen to him then? By this time, they're like, okay, we're going to cling to that because you're the only hope we've got. We should have listened to you. We didn't listen to you. Now we're going to listen to you. I think, I personally think, that as they were hanging on to the broken pieces of the ship for the night and the day in the deep, that they were saying, Paul's God said none of us are going to die. Paul's God said none of us. I think they were in agreement by this point. I don't think any of them were saying, Paul is stupid and doesn't know what he's talking about. I think they were all wanting to agree with the report that God had given to Paul that none of us will perish. The, the ship will fall apart, but none of us will perish. I mean, when they're hanging on and the shark fins are, are circling around them, <laughs> none of us shall perish, none of us shall perish. <laughs> he said, none of us shall perish. An angel showed up. The God that Paul served said, none of us shall perish. I believe what Paul said, God said. <laughs> Even if they didn't know, they, they could put themselves in agreement and get under the authority that Paul had been able to enforce in his praying. See, Paul was having to take authority. He was having to release his authority, his position, and, and if they submitted to it, glory to God. So when we look here, it says, God has highly exalted him, speaking of Jesus. If we only look at Jesus as thinking, well, he was always in that position, he was always... Jesus has always been the second person of the Godhead. Jesus has always been the Word of God. He was at one point, 2,056 some odd years ago, and my math isn't probably right on, but somewhere around there, he, the Word became flesh. How old was Jesus? 30, 33. Uh, so... Add 2020 to that, right? He became the Word that was made flesh, but He's always been the Word of God. He's always been the second person of the Godhead. He didn't need a, a position. This is referring to something that takes place after His obedience to the cross. Remember the previous verse has identified that He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And so wherefore is a conjunction. Wherefore is a connector. It is saying this is why. This is why God has exalted him. Why? Because he humbled himself and became obedient to the cross. And therefore, or this is why, God has highly exalted him. So in his obedience, it refers to it in the, the uh, uh, book of uh, 1 Corinthians that, uh, that through one man's, or Romans chapter 5, through one man's disobedience, death ruled, and then through one man's obedience, grace and, and abundant life has been made available through his, his obedience. So he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. He obeyed God to the point of laying down his life and in doing so, God was, uh, was um, the correct response to him was now I can exalt him 
in the position even higher than the original Adam would have been because the original Adam had authority on the earth. Am I right? But God has been, uh, God has highly exalted Jesus. It says here, with a name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth. So this is a universal wide authority. The title, the name is a title. The name is not a form of communication or a form of of identification so that you can uh, introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Michelle. No, it is a title. He has given him a title. He has given him a position. He has given him a, a rank and authority that is above every rank, above every authority, above every principality, over every dominion. He has the highest dominion in everything in the heaven, everything under the earth, everything in the earth. He has the highest authority of anything or anyone who exists. There is no higher authority than Jesus. And then it says that he is going to take that authority and resubmit it to the Father. Hallelujah. So God has highly exalted him and given him this authority that is above every other authority, this name that is above every other name. Verse 11 says that uh, every tongue should confess, at the name of Jesus, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. So every knee will bow in all of these different areas of influence and authority and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord. When you make the declaration, Jesus is Lord of my life, it's not just a Christian slogan. You 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 are making a declaration that has authority and sets the enemy at a distance. Jesus is Lord over my finances. That's what I'm saying when I'm tithing. Jesus is Lord over my finances. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord over my family. Glory to God. Jesus is Lord over my marriage. I, I encourage you to incorporate that into your vocabulary. Make that statement often. Jesus is Lord over the community I live in. Hallelujah. Why? Because we're declaring his lordship here. Just like, you know, when they would go into a a new land and they would put their flag and they would would say, we're taking possession of this property right here. We're we're claiming uh, lordship over this land. We're claiming the dominion over this land. If the flag is flying, what they're saying is that nation has authority over that castle or over that community. Well, let's, let's put up the authority of Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So when this name is used, when this name is used, it has the highest rank of authority over any other authority that exists. The name of Jesus is the highest authority. Now, I want to go with you to Hebrews 1. 
And I want to read verses 4 through 8, talking of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hebrews 1, actually I'll begin in verse 1. God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son whom he appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the world who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Now I'm reading this because I want you to see this placement. So this is after he's obeyed the instruction of God for the cross and fulfilled the salvation requirements for mankind and has opened the new and the living way for us to approach the throne of God. It's after that he's taken his place glorified in his position at the right hand of God and it says being made so this being made being in the tense that is in is connecting to this work that happened as he took his place as he took his place at the right hand of God is about the same time frame that he had been made so much better than the messengers the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name a more excellent name. So this by inheritance gives us an idea that it was not just because it was, it was, it was, let me back up and say it this way. He came as a man. He obeyed God as a man. He, he executed the will of God as a righteous man on the earth sent by God. Hallelujah. His inheritance. There's a reason Matthew chapter 1 has begats. I used to think this is the most boring part of the Bible. Why do they put begat, 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 begat? Why do they put that all of this whole lineage? It's, it's authority. Look with me. Look with me at Matthew chapter 1. You've probably always skipped over it. like I did. And the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of, Adam, of Abraham, hallelujah, the son of David, the son of Abraham, Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas, and his brethren, and Judas begat, and then it goes through all of these names. I'm not going to take the time to read through all of these names, but then it gets to verse 15, and Eliud begat uh, Eliezer, and Eliezer begat Nathan, and Nathan begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Legal authority to represent as a man by inheritance he obtained the name see if Jesus had come just as God without becoming a man he would not have qualified to inherit the name because God delegated authority to man hallelujah 
if he had only come in his authority as a man, as, as God, and just said, I'm God, I've come down as God, and I am now going to uh, 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 regain everything that he didn't have the authority to regain what Adam had forfeited because he was not in a form of, a, if he had not been in the form of a man, but what gave him the authority to be a legal redeemer and to be one who could receive the delegated authority, he had to be a man. He had to be a man. So by inheritance, he obtained a more excellent name. Angels couldn't take this place. A man born in sin could not take this place. It had to be a righteous man who was not uh, in any way uh, sinful, had not tasted of sin. Jesus was tempted in every way but without sin. He was, he was 100% man and 100% the Son of God. I am 100% human and 100% a daughter of God. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you also are 100% human while at the same time 100% born of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to look at something in John chapter 5. It says in verse uh, 26 and 27, John 5, 26, For as the Father has life in himself, so has he given to the Son to have life in himself. So Jesus is, uh, was a carrier and is a carrier of eternal life. Verse 27, and the Father has given him, and so he's talking about the Father, has given him authority to execute judgment also because, because he is the Son of Man. So the authority is because he came in as a man. He, he was legally um, positioned to receive the authority that God intended for Adam and Adam's lineage to enforce. Amen. When Adam fell, all of his lineage now became unqualified, disqualified of carrying the authority because to execute this authority, you have to be righteous with God. And that's why you need to know you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You need to know you are redeemed and righteous by nature. Hallelujah. It's one of the most important things you can use your faith on is who you are in Christ. Hallelujah. More important than using your faith on a car or a house or finances or, or health or anything. If you don't know you're righteous, all of those things will be difficult. But if you use your faith to recognize and to, to develop this strength, I am in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things are created new. I am the righteousness of God. I stand before God as if I'd never sinned because of what Jesus' blood has done for me. God isn't looking at me through my past. He's not looking at me through my mistakes. He's not looking at me through yesterday. He's looking at me and seeing me in Christ. Hallelujah. For us to operate the authority, we have to know I am righteous with God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because as, as humans, we have authority. 
that has to be dealt, has to be enforced through a human, a righteous human. There are things that have to be done through righteous people on the earth because we're the ones who have authority delegated to us. So if God wants it done, who's he going to call on? And if a believer thinks, well, if God wanted it, he would make it happen, they're missing the... the they tore some pages out of the Bible to get there. They, had, they skipped those. They just read some highlights and skipped the in-betweens or something because... If God wants it done, he's going to call on us. Amen. We are the hands. Yes. We are the executed authority. We are the delegated authority on the earth today. And it started with him bringing Jesus in and allowing Jesus to take the position as the head and the Lord of all. The Lord of all. Amen. We can see the difference because in, um, in his conversation after the cross, before the ascension, he said, all power in heaven and earth is, is given unto me. All power. He didn't say that before. He didn't say that before the cross. So it was after the cross that all power in heaven and earth was given unto him. And it was so delegated to him that he could delegate it to us. Amen. Hallelujah. In the, in the, in, in the uh, intent of what God had for the original Adam. You know, if Adam had not fallen, he would be alive today on the planet. We would be, if Adam had not fallen, we would be able to go and talk to Adam. Amen. We could go visit Adam because Adam would never have died physically because God never intended for any of us to die physically. That's why death is so odd. It is so foreign because it is not a natural plan of God for the, for the human race to die. Death is an enemy. Hallelujah. But because we're in Christ, we will never taste death. He has tasted death for us, Hebrews 2 says. He's tasted death for every, every one of us. So we don't have, and that word taste means I don't have to feel it. I don't have to experience. When I'm absent from my body, I will be present with the Lord. That's what I will experience. Why? Because I am now a recipient of eternal life. Eternal life is now operative and functional in me now. So death has no victory over me. If I leave my body, I'll just be present with the Lord. I won't die. Hallelujah. Jesus... Returning to Hebrews 1, being made so much better than the angels, the messengers, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Uh, the Amplified says, taking a place and a rank by which he himself became as much superior to angels as the glorious title, name, which he has inherited uh, is different from and more excellent than theirs. I want us to see that word inherited in a different way. He inherited as a man the authority that God delegated to Adam and an even greater authority because it is a universal wide authority. But it goes on in here and it says uh, um, in chapter 2, and I want to compare 2, 6 through 9 to what it's quoting from Psalms 8. So 
Hold your place here in Hebrews. We're going to look at it and we're going to make a comparison with Psalm chapter 8, verses 3 through 8. Now the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. And the book of Hebrews is quoting from Psalms. In the language, the Hebrew language, the word angels is a word, Elohim, which can be translated angels, but it is very sparsely that it's translated that way. The first place we ever see it translated is Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created. It was translated God, Elohim. Elohim is the word that we use for the, the plurality, the Godhead. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the, the fullness of God, Elohim. And so this word, when it's translated here in the Hebrew language... When we read it in King James, we're reading what the King James translators translated from that original word. And so I want to read this in Psalms 8, uh, verse 4. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? So this is a question being asked of God. What is man? What is man that you're mindful of him? So now, oh, man has God's attention. God is thinking about us. He's mindful of us. He visits us. Which takes totally away from that religious idea that we're just dirty, rotten worms and the scum of the earth and, and God's just having mercy on us. What is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than Elohim the angels, which is also translated a little lower than God. Well, mankind, think about it from a, a, a panoramic view of the Bible. Angels are not the family of God. Angels are not the family of God. They are created beings who cannot even participate in salvation. We are the family. So... Man is not made in a lower position of importance than angels. That wouldn't make sense. Angels can't receive uh, my inheritance. Angels can't operate my authority. Angels are, are created and they're ministers for heirs of salvation. So they're not the family of God. It says, you have made him a little lower than Elohim a little lower than God, and have crowned him with glory and honor. Yeah. This is a, Adam's original uh, attire. He Crowned is not talking about the circular crown around your head. It is talking about a covering. It is an all-inclusive all covering for your life. You've crowned him with glory. Glory is the attire that God originally intends for us to wear. Hallelujah. Crowned with glory. You've, you've crowned him with glory and honor. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, 
Yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatever passes through the paths of the sea. O Lord our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. So this declaration of mankind being made in a position that God has crowned us, clothed us, uh, given us as a, a garment, His glory, Amen. His honor, Amen. hallelujah. It says that He has given us dominion with this glory and honor. Now let's look at Hebrews 2 and make this comparison. And it got, does go through in uh, talking about, uh, ver for instance, verse 5 says, for under the angels he has not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak. There is a, 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 a constant in the latter part of chapter 1 and the first part of chapter 2 a recognition that what comes through Jesus is of greater value and importance than what could come through an angel. It, when, when you begin to, to read through you'll recognize that he is contrasting the position of Jesus as much higher and of much more value and of much greater authority than uh, the, anything that was brought, any of the words spoken by the angels or the messengers is how that word is also interpreted. And so when it says here in verse 6, it says, But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? So now we know we're quoting from Psalm chapter 8. The writer of Hebrews is quoting. He said, You have made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and did set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that, and I love this part, in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. Hallelujah. The Amplified says he left nothing outside of man's control. Ha! Whew, I got to do a Billy Brim. Woo! Thank you, Billy. He left nothing outside of man's control. Nothing outside of man's control. God's Word translation says nothing was, or I'm sorry, uh, nothing was left out. The message says nothing was excluded. The Weiss translation says not even one thing that is not put under man's control. Not even one thing. Hallelujah. Amen. Not even one thing. Amen. Not even coronavirus. That's right. Not even AIDS. Not even emphysema. Not even high blood pressure. Not one thing. Amen. Not one thing. Not one thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not one thing uh, that is not put under man's control. I didn't say God's control. I said man's control. That's, it says he made man and he left nothing that is not put under him. This is God's original plan. This is God's design. He left nothing that is not put under him. Amen. But then verse 8 says, but now... We see not yet all things put under him, which is an indication to the fall of man. We don't see it in the fall. Because of the fall, 
It's not operating it the way you created it to operate. Because of the fall, people aren't walking in the authority. It's not that way. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. We're not done. We have a conjunction. Conjunction, junction. Here we come. Are you ready? But we see Jesus. We see Jesus. We may look around humanity and see that humanity is not walking in God's original intent and design and, and exercising and enforcing the will of God and using the authority that God had delegated. And so we see Jesus. Notice what it says here that we see in Jesus. He was made a little lower. Now again, he's quoting Psalms here. A little lower than Elohim. And if you read it in the New Testament, it's not going to show the word Elohim. You have to recognize he's quoting the Old Testament Psalms. And in the Old Testament Psalm, it's the word Elohim. So when you want to go do the word study, go back to Psalms, which the writer of Hebrews is quoting. He says, he has made Jesus, a, he, he had to come in the form and the fashion of a man. If you don't believe that Mary gave birth to Jesus without the help of a man, you won't have faith for anything that God has designed. Amen. Jesus was born of a virgin because God's word became flesh in her womb. God's word became flesh in her womb and Jesus was born legally as a man on this planet, a man sold out unto God, alive unto God, submitted unto God. He came as a man legally. He said, I am the door to the sheep. I have entered in through the door legally. I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life, but I am the door. Why? Because I came into this planet as a man. And when Satan, when the demons came to Jesus, you know, when, when we read about uh, what the man that we refer to as uh, uh, um, Legion, that man, the demons inside of him looked at Jesus and said, we adjure you by God, which is a command, a military command. I command you by God that you torment me not. <laughs> he thought, God got in a man illegally. He thought, what are you doing here? How did you get in that body? How are you walking around in that human body? You're not supposed to be here. Have you come to torment us before the time? We know who you are. You're the Holy One of Israel. We know who you are. What were they saying? We can see who you are and we think you're there in that body illegally. You don't have the right to be in that body. They could not. It said the princes of this world would never have crucified the Lord of glory if they had known. If they had known. They could not see how God got in a man legally. Why? Because they couldn't see how the word could become flesh and he could be birthed. Charles Capps used to say it this way. If you can show your birth certificate, you've got authority here. You've got authority over the devil. Just pull out your birth certificate and say, hey, I was born on this planet. I've got authority over you. Hallelujah. And it's the righteous person who is on this planet who is enforcing the will of God. So it says here that he was made a little lower than Elohim for the suffering of death. Crown, now notice, 
Jesus, we see Jesus crowned with glory and honor. We see Jesus crowned with glory and honor, which if you're again thinking, well, this is Jesus, the Son of God, of course, this is Jesus, the Word who was made flesh, who walked in obedience to God in the flesh, tempted in every way yet without sin. This is Jesus, the Son of Man who referred to himself more often as the Son of Man than he referred to himself as the Son of God. He said, He has given me authority to execute judgment because I am the Son of Man. I have authority because I'm a man. I have inherited this name because I am a man on the earth. 1 Timothy says that we have uh, this mediator, the man, Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. There is a man in the Godhead today because Jesus became a man. A man in the Godhead representing us to God. Hallelujah. Because mankind is God's family. We are His family. Righteous men and women are His children. Not everybody on the planet is a child of God. Everybody on the planet was created by God, but only those who have accepted Jesus as Lord are children. You must be born again, Jesus said. You must be born again. I am the door, he said. So when we see here it says Jesus was crowned with glory and honor, he's talking about that glory and honor that was delegated to man as the representative of God on the earth. He was crowned. We see Jesus crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory. He was crowned with glory and honor and because we've accepted him, we've come into the glory. We've come into His glory. So the glory isn't just a light that is... It can be, you can be describing it that way, but glory is more connected with authority than it is with light. Amen. It is authority. When Jesus said in John chapter 17, He said, glorify them with the glory you have given unto me. Amen. He's talking about give them that same execution of authority that you have delegated to me. Hallelujah. So Jesus, we see Jesus crowned with glory and honor. That is an indication of the authority that God originated for mankind to walk in. Let's let's bring it to a closing point in Ephesians chapter 1. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 1. This text is part of what we often refer to as a a prayer. Uh, It is what the Apostle Paul is saying to the Ephesians church that the Holy Spirit had inspired him to pray for them. He said, "I I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And then he tells them these details that he prays about them. Well, this is... Scripture, so it is inspired by the Spirit of God. So that's why we can recognize this is still a, 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 a viable prayer for us to pray Amen. for ourselves and for our others in our family and our, our, our fellowship. 
it says that in this praying that the desire is that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto you, verse 17, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That your spirit, your born-again spirit, would operate in wisdom and revelation knowledge as you grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It is necessary for wisdom and revelation so that you can know these things he's about to list. He begins by praying that you would operate in wisdom because it's wisdom and revelation is the only way you're going to see what he's about to, to, to describe. You can't identify these things with your emotions. You can't identify them with the natural mind. You can't identify who you are in Christ without the Word of God expressing to you who you are in Christ. You can't identify these things, for instance, the hope of His calling. It's a spiritually discerned truth. It's a spiritually discerned concept. It has to be seen from a person who is operating with the revelation power of God in their spirit, letting God show them Amen. what the hope is of His calling, what is the riches of the glory of His inheritance. You can't see it with the natural mind. You have to let the Word describe it to you. You have to let the Word reveal it to you. And then he says that you would know, verse 19, what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe. He wants us to know about this power available to the believer. He wants us to know what takes place, this inherent ability, potential, operative, working, ruling power is to the believer. Verse 20 identifies it as being the power that worked in the resurrection. So it's resurrection power that works in the believer. He wants us to know it. He wants us to know not just about it, He wants us to know the exceeding greatness of it. And that means He wants us to know it in detail. He wants us to know it for first-hand experience. He wants us to be very skilled in and proficient in the power Amen. that worked in Christ when God raised Him from the dead because that's the power that works in us that's raised us out of spiritual death. It's the power that worked in us that's taken us out of death and into life out of darkness and into the light, and it's the power that we are able to also share with others and bring them out of the darkness and out of spiritual death and bring them into the newness of life. This is the power that's at work in the believer. And we've got to know it. He wants us to know the exceeding greatness of it. This resurrection power. Well, let me identify something about this resurrection power that verse 20 points out is that it didn't just raise Jesus from the dead. Right. It didn't just raise Him from the dead, set Him on the, the crust of the planet Earth, and just leave Him there. And say, okay, the working of the power is over. Now it concludes the working of the power, and now a different... No, no, no. The, the same power that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, and conjunction, junction... Uh, he, and, and the power, the resurrection power raised him and the power is still working. Amen. 
after the raising, it doesn't complete its working until the setting is complete. Raised him and set him. The power that raised Jesus from the dead continued its operation until it set him in this position of authority. And he wants you to know that you're raised from spiritual death and seated together with Christ in heavenly places. If we will allow the Spirit of God to reveal this to us so that we can know with our, our spiritual understanding that I've been raised from death I am no longer spiritually dead. I'm no longer a sinner. I'm no longer the mistakes that I've made. I'm no longer the number that used to be behind my, beside my name. I'm no longer what I did in my past. I am a new creature in Christ. But not only am I a new creature in Christ and I'm forgiven of my sins and my past is washed away, but I am also now raised up and, 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 and set. I'm set. I'm set. I'm seated together. I'm seated in authority together with. Together with. I'm seated together with Christ, Ephesians 2 says. Together with Christ. That's the the working of the power in us has got to get us to our position. It's still operative in us, putting us in that seated position of authority, executing from this position. Notice it says... This power worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all. Far above all. Principality, power, might, dominion, every name that is named, above all. Above all. Hallelujah. Not only in this world, but also in that world which is to come. He is seated together. He is seated. We are seated together with Him. He is seated above all. That means you are far above all principalities. You are far above all dominions. You are far above every name that is named. When you let this power work in you to help you recognize the position you're seated in, you will begin to execute His will from this position. Hallelujah. And has put all things under His feet. We've seen that before in Psalm chapter 8 and Hebrews chapter 2. All things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So as the church, our position in Christ, it's as we are seated together with him that we begin to also execute this authority. I'm not authorized uh, simply in the natural. I'm authorized in a spiritual capacity, a spiritual authority to enforce the will of God on this planet. As I begin taking that authority in my personal life, This is where we start. The first place to start, take authority over your flesh. You don't owe your flesh anything. You don't owe your flesh a bad hair day. You don't owe your flesh a hump Wednesday. You don't owe your flesh uh, seconds, thirds, 
Hallelujah. You don't owe your flesh anything. Exercise authority over your flesh. Exercise authority over the atmosphere in your home so that you, you cause the peace of God to, to prevail in your home. The peace of God. Exercise authority in your finances. Bring all of these things in line with the will of God. And the more that we gain proficiency in these things, the more we're going to expand in our uh, ability to execute the authority that is given to us. Hallelujah. I want to look at at, uh, 1 Corinthians as we prepare to receive uh, the Lord's Supper today. Hallelujah. In light of everything that we have just received concerning our position in Christ and His position overall, uh, let's recognize uh, the provision that gained us this authority. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul brings out that the Lord Jesus Christ dealt with him concerning communion. And the Apostle Paul is dealing with the Corinthian church to have a greater um, receptiveness, a greater honor and discerning of the body, uh, the way that they receive it, not to become lax in the way that they were receiving it, not to become casual in their approach. Uh, if you read in further places in this, the latter part of this chapter, it, it talks about how they were coming together and uh, they, they were eating for the wrong purposes and, and they were showing respect of per- persons in the coming together to eat. In other words, they, were, they, were, they didn't come and have a, a piece of bread and a cup of juice like we have available here for you. They had to bring their provision from home. And some of them brought, you know, the, the whole spread and, and looked around like, what's the matter with you? Ooh, that's the cheap bread. I got Wonder Bread. You got always save. And I got Wonder Bread. Mm-hmm. My bread's better than your bread. You know, they were becoming, it, it was the wrong uh, attitude. And he was talking about the worth that was to be ascribed to the body of Christ, the blood and the uh, bread. He says, if you eat and drink it unworthily, unworthily is an adverb. I know you did not expect to come to grammar today, but you've had a lot of grammar class. But an adverb specifically speaks of the verb. And so it's not talking about the person being unworthy. It's talking about how they were eating it. They were eating it in a way that was not ascribing worth to it. They were eating it as a tradition or as a just a, something that we do and not saying, this represents the blood that Jesus poured out to make me a member of the new covenant. This represents the, uh, his body that was broken for me. So he brings the people in the church of Corinth back to this understanding of this is a natural representation of a spiritual reality to us. You know, when a person gets baptized, it's natural water. But what they're saying in the baptism is that I go under the old man and I'm coming up a new man in Christ. I'm buried together with Christ in that, in that tomb. That water is representing a tomb. So Romans 6 says that we're buried together with Christ in baptism. Well, it's natural water. It's not really a tomb, but it's a representation 
that is an important expression of our uh, decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. In the same way, today we're going to partake of a natural piece of bread and a natural sip of juice. But it is not the natural bread or juice that is what we are receiving spiritually. It is what it represents. I'm receiving the stripes that that broken body represent. The payment for my health. And that's why the Apostle Paul, I want to read this before we receive. And I'm going to go ahead and ask the ushers as I'm reading this to, to distribute. Do you, want, did, do you want to distribute or you want people to come up and get it? It's probably better for you to... Hallelujah. And it is individually packaged so that nobody has touched your juice or your, your bread. But it's kept. We're kept. FYI, there are two tabs. A tab for the bread that will open up separately from the tab for the juice. So if you, you, you don't know that, you might just lift the one tab and not realize there are two. But this is what I wanted to read concerning this. He said um, in verse 30, will you put verse 30 up on the screen for me? 1 Corinthians eleven thirty. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you. Can you show me amplified? For this cause, and that cause being that they were not uh, ascribing worth to the body. And the amplified says that careless and unworthy participation is the reason many of them were weak and sickly, and quite enough of them have fallen into the sleep of death. Why? Because of careless participation. It wasn't God offended at the way they participated and, and doing something to them. It was their lack of receiving what was in it. So it wasn't God who did it. It was their lack of receiving. It's, this represents what already belongs to us. Healing. Amen. Wholeness. Not just healing. Wholeness. You don't just have, have, you're not limited to just getting healed. You are, as a, a covenant believer, you have divine health available. You can never be sick another day in your life. Amen. That's possible. Never be sick another day in your life. Amen. Why? Because Jesus purchased my health. He paid with the brokenness of the stripes on his back. He was wounded for my transgression. He was bruised for my iniquity. Surely the chastisement of my peace Necessary to obtain my peace was laid upon him. He bore my sicknesses and carried my diseases, carried my pains. Hallelujah. That's mine right now. It's in, when I receive of this, I'm receiving that. I'm receiving that. Hallelujah. As we participate, you are receiving wholeness when you take this. Hallelujah. When you receive of this juice, you are receiving of every covenant benefit that is yours because Jesus poured his blood out. This is the blood of my covenant, he said. Amen. Hallelujah. This is, this is covenant rights, covenant inheritance. 
This is my authority. This, is, this represents everything that is mine because of his covenant that Jesus established through his blood. So as we come today, Father, we come with, with honor for the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ and the shed blood. I want to read from the words of Jesus. When he had given thanks, he broke it. Should we stand to our feet? If, if, can, you, can you put your Bibles down and, and stand in, in honor to the Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Father, as we receive today, we release our faith for every provision that Jesus' broken body purchased for us. Provision in the mind. Wholeness in every part of our body. Every bone, every ligament, every organ, every blood cell reinvigorated and renewed and restored. Complete restoration is in this for us and we take it today. Thank you. Thank you for restoring my body. Thank you for restoring my life. This restoration covers my whole life. And I thank you for it, God. In Jesus' name, you may receive. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for making us whole. Thank you for causing our lives to be complete. Complete, complete, whole, nothing missing, nothing broken, peace. Peace, the peace of God that passes all understanding. The peace of God. The restoration of God is at work in us. Thank you, Father. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, we recognize our covenant rights. As we partake of this, Father, we receive our covenant inheritance, our covenant position, our covenant authority, every provision and benefit, and every responsibility, Father. Thank you for making us children in your family. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, you may receive. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father that we are justified by this blood. We are justified and seated together with Christ because of your plan of salvation. We thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. We are discerning the Lord's body, recognizing the value and the importance and the worth, the worth of his broken body and his shed blood. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. 
Praise God. Well, did you receive this morning?